Chapter 16 Thanksgiving, It Is Not Festive Lane, Thanksgiving Day, Three Years Later Several years passed, and the Carters were very fortunate during this time. It had been five years since they first purchased the magical house on Festive Lane. David grew by leaps and bounds as he quickly approached his sixteenth birthday. Nicole had become a beautiful young lady with a very proficient vocabulary for a five-year-old. Michael had been promoted to management in the same construction company and was now a building inspector. Ariana was the dispatch supervisor for the local Lake Forest Police Department. Their lives were relatively uneventful over the last three years, except for the Christmas holiday celebration and the annual visit of Tony Cesario trying to purchase the Festive Lane property. Life remained steady. Every Christmas, the guests arrived and visited with the Carters. Dennis joined the celebration all three years, but would not be attending the upcoming holiday gathering due to accepting a new job in California. He still considered the parents who raised him to be just as much his parents as Art and Marie. He felt being closer to them geographically would be beneficial. Since last year, Michael had been busy at work and home. He liked his new management position because it gave him more flexibility to be with the kids and Ariana. At home, he finally installed a new furnace in the house's basement. Unfortunately, the unit wouldn't stay lit for more than a few minutes at a time. He had to keep shutting it off and readjusting the gas flow. He just tried to fix it again yesterday, but the problem persisted. This morning, Michael left a note on the thermostat to warn Ariana not to turn on the furnace until he came home. He would stop at the hardware store before they closed early for the holiday. He needed to get a few parts that he felt would resolve the problem with the furnace. He placed the sticky-backed note on the thermostat cover in the front foyer so Ariana would be sure to see it. It was Thanksgiving Day, and as usual, Jack and Wanda were invited over for Thanksgiving dinner. It was early afternoon, and Wanda watched the kids while Ariana worked at the police station. Michael had to approve some job sites for last-minute inspections before the weekend, and ran late. The kids helped Wanda make cookies for dessert as Jack was up in his office working on some investment paperwork. While laying out clumps of cookie dough, Wanda ran out of cookie sheets and decided to borrow a few from Ariana's kitchen. Wanda walked over to the Carter residence and opened the front door with the spare key she kept at her house for emergencies. As she opened the front door, a gust of wind blew through the foyer. The wind was strong enough to dislodge the note from the thermostat, and it floated down to the floor, landing out of sight behind a chair. Wanda walked into the house and started to shiver. It's freezing in here, she said aloud as she walked to the thermostat and saw that it was turned off. No wonder it's so cold in here. This thing's not on. With that, she flipped the switch on the side of the thermostat to heat setting. She walked into the kitchen and took a few cookie sheets out of the compartment under the stove. As she walked back to the front door, she reached down to feel if warm air was blowing out of a nearby vent. She felt the air blowing and smiled. There we go, she said. She returned to her home next door and was greeted by the kids. Now we can make some more cookies that much faster, she said. Yay, more cookies, Nicole yelled. They marched into the kitchen and put the dough on the new cookie sheets. The kids were very fond of Wanda. 
She watched Nicole regularly since Ariana now worked full-time. David was now old enough to take care of himself. However, Ariana insisted that he stay at Wanda's this holiday to avoid tracking him down later in the day. Jack's moving business was doing very well, so Wanda retired from the company and stayed home full-time. She watched Nicole during the day, and David came to her house after basketball practice to help out until Ariana came home. Ariana usually arrived home around 4 p.m., unless there was a work-related emergency. Hours passed, and the kids were busy decorating the pumpkin-shaped orange cookies. Wanda saw Ariana's car pull into the driveway next door. Your mama's home, she said to Nicole. Mommy's home, yelled Nicole. Jack came down the stairs from his office and into the kitchen. Why don't we start taking some of these cookies over to Michael's house? I think I just saw Ariana pull up, he said. Wanda agreed and got Nicole dressed in her winter coat. Jack and David grabbed several cookie tins and led the way out at the front door. As Ariana was unloading groceries from her car's trunk, Jack, Wanda, and the kids came up behind her. Hey there, neighbor. Need a hand? Jack asked. Hi, happy Thanksgiving. Sure, could use one, answered Ariana. Mommy, shouted Nicole as she wrapped herself around Ariana's legs. Hi, sweetie. Have you been a good girl for Aunt Wanda? Ariana asked. Yes, Mommy. We made cookies, she replied. And turkey, I hope, Ariana asked as she looked at Wanda. Still cooking away. I put that sucker in my oven at six this morning. It's a big one. Should be done pretty soon, Wanda replied. David grabbed a few bags of groceries. Where do you want these, Mom? Go through the garage and into the kitchen. Turn the light on so we can all see where we're walking, she told David. David started to walk toward the garage as Ariana pushed the remote garage door opener hanging from the car's visor. Do I have to be here this Christmas? he asked as he waited for the door to rise. David, it's the only day of the year you can see your grandparents and other relatives. Why would you not want to be here? Well, a girl at school invited me over to her house on Christmas Eve, and I would like to go, he replied. I don't think that will be possible, David. You have to be here. You can see this girl any time, Ariana said but I can't bring her over to our house on Christmas Eve. If I do, then everyone will disappear and... He stopped in mid-sentence, realizing Jack was listening to the conversation he was having with his mother. Ariana gave him the evil eye. We will talk about this later. Now take the groceries into the kitchen. In a fit of frustration, David stomped through the garage and into the house. I hate this house. I wish we lived somewhere else. I hate it. Ariana followed behind David and overheard his comments. That's enough, young man. Don't you ever say that again. Jack followed Ariana as Wanda grabbed the last bag of groceries out of the trunk. She took Nicole by the hand and walked into the garage. Ariana walked into the kitchen and could see her breath as she exhaled. Boy, it's cold in here. Michael said he was going to fix that furnace this morning. Jack set several bags of groceries on the kitchen table. I'll go down to the basement and check it out. He picked up a flashlight sitting on the counter and opened the door to the cellar. Meanwhile, Ariana walked to the front of the house to look at the foyer area's thermostat. She saw that it was turned on to the heat setting. Hmm, well, the thermostat is on, she said. Wanda walked into the house with Nicole. Are there any more bags left in the car, Aunt Wanda? David asked. No, hon. 
I took the last bag and closed the trunk, she said. David walked over to the service door to the garage and pressed the garage door button mounted on the wall. At that moment, Jack yelled up from the basement. There's a gas leak down here. The pilot light went out and the basement is filled with gas. Don't turn on any lights or light a match. Ariana heard Jack's warning and walked back into the kitchen. She saw David on the other side of the kitchen shutting the garage's service door and reaching for the multiple light switches on the wall to turn off the garage light. David, don't, she shouted. But it was too late. David's finger found the first of six toggle switches on the light control panel. Michael never got around to rewiring this panel, and the first switch that should have been the garage light was still the switch for the light hanging directly over the furnace in the basement. David unknowingly flipped that switch. 4.55 p.m., Thanksgiving Day, Lake Forest, Illinois. Michael was on his way back home after he stopped at the hardware store, just in time before they closed. Having purchased the parts he needed for the furnace, he drove home through the picturesque town of Lake Forest. The sun had just set, and the streetlights were aglow. As he drove, listening to the radio, a news bulletin interrupted his singing song. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special news bulletin. An explosion has rocked the North Shore suburb of Lake Forest, Illinois. We go live to Ron Samuel, who is at the scene. Ron, said the announcer. Yes, I'm standing here in the 100 block of Festive Lane where an explosion has completely leveled one house to the ground and several other surrounding homes have been severely damaged. Firefighters on the scene are trying to control this four-alarm blaze. Speculation on behalf of the firefighters seems to point to a gas leak. We have yet to confirm whether there were any people in the house at the time of the explosion, but we will keep you posted as more information becomes available. From Lake Forest, Illinois, this is Ron Samuel reporting. Michael's stomach dropped to his knees. He stepped on the gas pedal of his pickup truck and raced down the streets of Lake Forest. He was driving like a madman and ran several stoplights to get home. Finally, Michael turned on to Festive Lane. The usual Thanksgiving evening tradition of lit holiday decorations was overshadowed by a bright orange blaze toward the middle of the block. Thick black smoke billowed into the sky, blocking out the moon's glow as if a total eclipse were in effect. Michael raced down the street to the middle of the block but was stopped by a police officer waving a red-coned flashlight. Several fire trucks and emergency vehicles blocked the road. Michael stopped his truck and jumped out of the cab. The officer, who knew Michael and worked with Ariana, confronted him. Michael, it's not good. It was your house, said the officer. Oh, my God, where are Ariana and the kids? What happened? Michael screamed. Come with me to talk to the fire chief said the officer as they both ran toward the house. Michael was in a state of shock. The firefighters were pouring hundreds of gallons of water on Jack's house, trying to save it as it burned out of control. Michael continued to run past the Stevens residence to the front of 148 Festive Lane. He stopped and stared in total disbelief. The house was gone. Nothing was left but smoldering rubble and charred pieces of wood. He walked toward the firefighters' barricades and pushed one aside. As he walked into the burned-out ruins of the house, the fire chief stopped him. Excuse me, sir, you can't go in there, said the chief. I own 
owned this house, Michael replied solemnly. Mr. Carter, I'm sorry for your loss, sir. This area is still unsafe. Please follow me back to the fire truck, responded the chief. As Michael turned to follow the chief, he tripped over bent and twisted metal pieces. He bent down and picked up the remains of the golf club set Ariana had given to him on their very first Christmas in the house. The metal was still warm, and the club heads were charred beyond recognition. The fire chief took Michael by the arm and said, Please, Mr. Carter, follow me. Michael dropped the pieces of metal to the ground and walked with the chief to a nearby fire truck. Would you like a cup of coffee, Mr. Carter? It's pretty cold out here tonight, the chief asked. No, thank you. Where are my kids and wife? Were they home when this happened? asked Michael. The chief took a deep breath and replied, I'm afraid so, Mr. Carter. We've recovered five bodies from the explosion. They were all severely burned, and they are all deceased. We will need your assistance to identify a few of the bodies. We have a positive ID on only one of the bodies, which we believe is Mr. Jack Stevens. His wallet somehow survived the fire and was still on his person. The other bodies are in the back of the ambulances over there. There is a woman in her mid-forties, a woman in her thirties, and two children, a small girl and a teenage boy. Michael started to weep uncontrollably and fell to the ground. The chief tried to console Michael the best he could. Several police officers came to the scene to comfort Michael as well. These officers all knew Ariana very well due to working with her for several years. Michael, I'm so sorry. This is a tragic loss. Ariana was a beautiful and kind person. We all loved her very much, one of the officers said. Michael, still weeping on the ground, just nodded his head. The officers helped Michael to his feet and escorted him to the ambulance that held the three unidentified bodies' remains. Michael sauntered and recalled his thoughts of never wanting to succumb to this ordeal. He could barely bring himself to look inside the ambulance at all. A paramedic inside the back of the ambulance asked Michael if he was ready to make the identification. Michael waited a good thirty seconds and then nodded his head. The paramedic unzipped a body bag on the first body, and as Michael looked at the blackened, disfigured face, he turned away and vomited. The odor of burning flesh was not a pleasant smell. The appearance of the charred remains of a human body was a horrible sight. Michael regained his composure and looked at the body once again. He could not identify the person. The paramedic unzipped the bag further and revealed the hands of the victim. Michael saw the engagement ring he had given Ariana on their first Christmas at the house. He thought this would have been Wanda, but she was obviously in the other ambulance a few feet away. Michael said softly, That is my wife, Ariana Carter, as he continued to weep. The paramedic zipped up the body bag and tagged it with the proper identification for the morgue. He then went to the second bag and opened it. By the size of the body inside the bag, Michael did not doubt that this was Jack. The face was removed entirely beyond recognition. 
This person was the closest to the impact of the explosion. We found his wallet still in his pants. We will need to get dental records for positive identification, but was a Mr. Stevens supposed to be at your house this afternoon? asked the paramedic. Yes, he and his wife always spent Thanksgiving with us, replied Michael. That is Jack Stevens. The paramedic zipped up the bag and jumped out of the back of the ambulance. He walked over to the next ambulance and opened the back doors. The stench from inside was overwhelming, and Michael threw up once again. Even the officers accompanying Michael were becoming sick to their stomachs. The paramedic hopped inside the back of the ambulance and started to unzip one of the body bags. These victims were not as severely burned, but their injuries were fatal nonetheless. He unzipped the bag to reveal the largest body in the ambulance. It was Wanda, and her face was only slightly burned. Michael confirmed her identity without hesitation. The paramedic zipped the bag back up and moved on to the next bag. Michael stopped him. Please, can I do these two myself? These are my children, and I need to do this alone. Sure thing, Mr. Carter. Take all the time you need. Michael overheard the comments as the paramedic jumped out of the truck and walked away with the officers. Poor guy. What a blow to lose your entire family like this. Michael stood at the back of the ambulance for a few minutes, pondering his next move. He didn't want to open the bags. He was considering just saying that he looked at them and walking away. But he couldn't. Still weeping, he reached over to the larger of the two bodies and slowly unzipped the bag. He uncovered the young face of his son David. No burns, but several scratches were evident. He caressed David's head with his hand. You promised me you would never leave me, David. He wept as he zipped the bag and sealed it shut. He moved over to the next, smaller bag. He sighed deeply as he unzipped the bag to reveal the angelic face of his little Nicole. Not a scratch or a burn scarred her face. It looked as if she was merely sleeping peacefully. He placed his hands on her face and felt the coolness transfer through his body. She was not asleep at all. Like the Stevens, David, and Ariana, she too was gone. Michael stumbled away from the back of the ambulance and once again fell to the ground. The paramedic attendee ran to Michael's side. Uh, Mr. Carter, are you okay? Let me take a look at you for a second. As he examined Michael, he looked to see if symptoms of shock were prevalent. Michael seemed to be physically okay, but this type of loss would affect people differently. The paramedic was concerned. Why don't you come with me to the hospital for some observation, Mr. Carter? It wouldn't hurt. There are some counselors on staff that you can talk with about this tragedy, the paramedic suggested. Just leave me alone. I just need to be left alone. Michael replied as he stood up and started to stagger away. Please, Mr. Carter, it's freezing out here. Spending a few days at the hospital might be the best thing for you. The paramedic kept calling after Michael. Where are you going? Do you need a place to stay, Mr. Carter? 
Michael ignored the pleas from the paramedic and continued to walk to his truck. Other police and fire personnel tried to talk to him, but he was oblivious to their comments. No longer crying, Michael's mood turned to anger. He reached his truck and stepped inside on the driver's side. As he sat in the cab, he started to scream. Why? After I gave you my heart and soul and pledged my faith to you, why did you do this to me again? Pacify me with visits of my loved ones. Do you think that makes up for this? Do you think I want to see my wife and kids just once a year? Do you? Go to hell. He started the truck, threw it into reverse, and squealed the tires. He turned the truck around and drove off in a rage as the police personnel stood by and silently watched. A few miles later, Michael pulled over in front of a tavern. Michael was never much of a drinker, but that was about to change. He entered the tavern and sat at the bar. A football game was on the television, and the place was pretty empty. The bartender came over and asked, What'll have? Give me a double shot of whiskey and leave the bottle, Michael replied. The bartender brought the bottle to Michael and poured the first shot. Michael picked up the glass and threw the alcohol down his throat. He closed his eyes and swallowed. The liquid burned as it went down his throat and through his chest. He sat there, looking at the glass in his hand and set it down on the bar. A couple of men were sitting at the other end of the bar. Did you feel that explosion earlier? Man, a house was leveled on the west side of town. I heard five or six people were killed, said one man. Yeah, I heard that. According to the news, there was a gas leak in the basement. The guy who hooked up the furnace didn't know what he was doing. The whole place went up. When will people learn to hire professionals to install stuff like that? Replied the other man. Michael stared at the men and then poured himself another shot. As he raised the shot glass to his lips, he said to himself under his breath, Here's to me, killer of my family and friends. <laughs>